EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of EST. Again, it's my name is uh, Josh King. I'm here in Northeast Dallas, Texas, just kind of shouting out to you. My co-host, Mike and Sam, are not on this episode, but we do have an interesting, I think, topic to cover today. Before I get started, let me just tell you, thank you for listening to EST and uh, subscribing on iTunes. Make sure you rate and review us. There'll be more information at the end of the show for that. With the recent events in the news, and um, it's not even a brand new situation, a lot of churches seem to be dealing with the issue of safety. How to secure or make their facilities safe, particularly during the times of worship gatherings. So on the show today, I have a new friend of mine. His name is Jimmy, and he's with a group called uh, Sheepdog Ministries or, or, or Seminars. Uh, Jimmy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Josh. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for addressing this subject. Thanks. It's a, it's a topic that I've had a number of conversations with um, locally here and other pastors around um, the states here. And just it's something that's really kind of on the front of our of our hearts and our minds. Jimmy, have you had a maybe a recent uptick in your sort of what you do? Well, obviously, since the tragedy in Sutherland Springs, Josh, we've been swamped with requests. But uh, I've been doing this eight years. We've been warning churches. We've been warning them all over the country that this is coming. and Mm. You know, it's here. It's not going to stop. And I mean, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. I don't think we've seen anything yet. Mm. But uh, well, of course, we're getting lots of requests. I mean, since just since you introduced me, I've had two more calls. So <laughs> I know you are a hard man to get a hold of. And so we do appreciate you taking a little time out here. We have quite a few pastors who listen to the show, and hopefully this will be something that helps them out. After the Sutherland Springs episode or situation that happened down there, and of course, the Vegas tragedy um, our church kind of, um, you know, re-examined our safety protocol and what we do around here. I'm fortunate we do have a great safety team, and um, it's very secure. It was much more secure than even I knew with, uh, you know, closed-circuit cameras and, and paroles and all sorts of people walking around and, and kind of doing what they need to do. But even in that, knowing that we have a great safety team, we've already met with our local police. We've already re-evaluated our facility. We've had uh, police come through and kind of show some things for us. I'm wondering if you could just begin by introducing yourself, Jimmy, and who you are and, and kind of what got you into this this trade here. Well, I've been a, I was a police officer for 35 years. I retired in December of 2015. I'm a Southern Baptist minister. I've been a minister since 1973. Uh, I'm a graduate of Oklahoma Baptist University. I pastored for about 12 years in the Fort Worth area, and I still preach all the time, do lots of preaching. Uh, but in May of 2009, I put on a uh, church safety seminar. It just seemed like a good thing to do. I had never really thought about it. I didn't know what was going on at the time. You know, I knew about Wedgwood Baptist. I was on duty that night when that happened. Mm. The police officer in Hearst, which borders Fort Worth. And I remember that night, September 15, 1999, a man showed up there at a, 
uh, see you after the poll meeting and uh, shot 14 people, killed seven. And I also knew about what happened at the church I was married in, First Baptist Church, uh, First Baptist Church of Dangerfield, Texas, three hours east of Dallas. I knew what happened there back in June of 1980. A man walked in. I wasn't there that day, and I'd been married in that church three years earlier, but a man walked in. He shouted, this is war. He had four guns on him and 400 bullets and a flag jacket and army helmet. He shouted, this is war, and he shot 15 and killed five. Wow. So uh, I began to study that situation. As a matter of fact, I studied it so much that I uh, was just stunned at everything that happened. So I uh, talked to a movie company into making a movie about it. Hmm. It's called Faith Under Fire, and it's probably the best faith-based movie you will ever see. There's no <laughs> cheese in it. There's no uh, none of these faith-based movies you see coming out. It's nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, Josh, you'll hear the actual audio. You'll hear the people dying in it. Wow. So I so, just began to help churches, and that was about two, three hundred churches ago when we've been running around the country and trying to get them ready. Spent a couple of days at Sutherland Springs two weeks ago, and, you know, we uh, often will go to the scenes where these happen and just you know, get a feel for what the people are going through and right. They're going through they a better prepare. Yeah. That, well, I gotta say, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the Dangerfield um, tragedy. I, I was very aware of Wedgwood, of course, what happened there in Fort Worth. And so you now, what, what is the name of the organization you're a part of? Well, I'm part of a sheepdog seminars. I'm the owner. Okay. And uh, we, we chose that name because we put on a seminar back in 2013 at Wedgwood Baptist. And I invited a man in who was known for helping to promote the idea of being a sheepdog. A sheepdog keeps wolves off sheep. And uh, we called it a sheepdog seminar. And uh, you'll see, I don't know if you saw the movie or not, uh, Josh, American Sniper. I didn't see it, no. They used uh, some of our material in that movie. We gave him permission when the father talks to his son, Chris Kyle, about, you know, the three different kinds of people in the world, wolves, sheep, and sheepdogs. So we try to help... uh, Awaken the sheepdog instincts inside of men. It's very uh, scriptural. Hebrews, or excuse me, Genesis uh, 2.15 says the Lord put the man in the garden to work it and keep it. Hmm. Hebrew word for keep means to defend, protect, and save life. So we're trying to get men, and men in church are just being, it's probably another interview, but the men in church have just been, uh, I don't know what word to put it here on a radio show, but uh, we're trying to get them to be men again. Okay. It's been a challenge all in itself. Yeah. Because everything is just, uh, you know, I don't know if you've read that book, Why Men Hate Church. I can't wait to read that because everybody tells me, you got to go read that. <laughs> We're trying to awaken the warrior. And so what is it that Sheepdog Seminars does? You, you provide seminars or um, kind of consulting for churches? Or what exactly do you guys do? Well, we conduct seminars all over the country. We will... Um, and just a couple of days ago, we were in Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. People showed up from you know, Virginia to uh, Sacramento, California. And we awakened the churches to what's going on. We've been doing this for years, you know, just warning them, telling them, well, here's what's going on. Right. We will open up the first uh, 15 minutes. We've had by 830, everybody in the room is converted. I mean, literally by 830, 30 minutes into it, we have awakened them because they're so shocked at uh, – at the crimes, the sex crimes are three to six thousand a year on church property. Wow. The massacres, interestingly enough, are at Southern Baptist churches and probably half of the deaths are Baptist churches. So uh, we have a lot of Baptists show up and we show them here's what's going on and here's what you need to do. Hmm. 
we show them. Here's what you need to do if you want to protect your flock. I noticed that there was a number of free resources available on your website. What is that website, and what are some of those resources that a pastor well, could download? To, to learn use? about us or, or to have us, you know, you can go to sheepdogseminars.com. That's a shortcut that will take you to sheepdogsafetytraining.com. But sheepdogseminars.com or even sheepdogseminar.com will get you there. And uh, you can you know learn about us. And uh, we have a very interesting team. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is on our team. He's one of the world's experts on violence. He's a good old Southern Baptist boy out of uh, Illinois. He is a PTSD expert, a former West Point psychology professor. Uh, he teaches about 250 times a year. Uh, 250 days a year, actually, uh, for the last 20 years. He gives a famous presentation called The Bulletproof Mind, mostly for police officers and law enforcement. But now, thanks to the seminars, the civilian community gets to hear it. So uh, folks will come from everywhere to hear him. And Carl Chin will also be with us. Carl was working for Dr. James Dobson in 1996 at Focus on the Family. He's good friends with Dr. Dobson. He was working there when a gunman showed up there one day, you may recall, and Ran everybody out, kept Carl and three others as hostages, and Carl survived that and thought, whoa, hope I never go through that again. But 11 years later, he was at church at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, if you recall, 10 years ago this year. Right, I do. In 2007, an angry gunman showed up. He had killed two people at midnight at Youth with a Mission. Then he came down to Colorado Springs, and he shot a friend of mine and killed two of his four daughters, shot mm. David Works, and killed his daughters, uh, Stephanie and Rachel. And uh, Carl was face-to-face -face with that killer. As a matter of fact, Carl was there, part of the team. He was armed. You have to have armed response on these churches. If you don't have an armed response, you don't really have a security team. Uh, anywhere in the country, you just you got to. And Carl was armed. And he was about to shoot the guy after he'd shot all these people. And a former police officer came out of nowhere and shot him. And then he took his own life. Mm -hmm. We bring Carl with us. He's like church, uh, America's church safety expert, we call him. Wow. So one of the things that obviously is going through most of the minds of pastors today, and maybe I know for me, the the Sunday after the Sutherland Springs issue, I was having a hard time preaching or even focusing on my preaching because, you know, when the back doors opened, all of a sudden my attention was drawn those directions yeah. and just a number of things that were going through my mind. So just briefly, I mean, within a 10 minutes or so, let's talk about top three things that churches or pastors can do to increase the safety and the security of their gatherings. Well, let me give you the most, and I would call this number one, number two, and number three. And I okay. get this call all the time. I remember, Josh, after the tragedy at Charleston, if you recall, when our nine brothers and sisters were gunned down at a Bible study on a Wednesday night. We were at that church a few weeks after that happened. And I remember, and I'm saying this because I've done 50 or 100 interviews. I don't know how many. But I remember Time Magazine calling my house after that, asking the question you just asked. They said, do you have any safety tips for churches? And I said, yes, I have the greatest safety tip in the history of safety tips for churches. And they snickered at me, laughed and said, OK, what is it? And I said, here it is. Wake up. Mm. You need to wake up because it doesn't matter. And I say this almost in tears because I know that there are so many preachers listening to me and others that listen. And I do these interviews all the time. And must, much of this is kind of like the sermons that we preach on Sunday, Josh. They go in one ear and out the other. You know, very few people really implement them into their lives. And so when I give tips and stuff, you know, people will agree. But it, here's the deal. If you don't wake up to this present threat, it's going to get you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Vegas the other day or a while ago. Uh, 
Right. You know, eight days before the Vegas tragedy, I sat in a church in Las Vegas and I pleaded with four Las Vegas police officers and six church security guys. I said, look, the wolf is coming. A disaster is coming. You're going to have one any day. Eight days later, we've got 58 dead, 525 injured. So point number one, point number two, point number three are all the same. Uh, if you're not awakened to this threat, we have 108 violent deaths on faith-based property this year. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a new record wow. in the United States. The old record was 77 in 2015. So if you don't wake up to the reality that Jesus said in Matthew 10:17, be on your guard against men, they will harm you in the house of worship. So if the church doesn't wake up, it won't do any good to tell them what to do. It's kind of like everything you do every day. You do it after you wake up. Brush your teeth, eat your breakfast, go to work. All those things are things you have done. They are steps you take after you wake up. So once you wake up to this, because this is not going to stop. There were two more people shot at church the same day of Sutherland Springs. And we have three to five, 6,000 sex crimes a year. This stuff is not going to stop. We haven't even seen the worst. So once you wake up, you can then start doing some things. Now, here's where some mistakes have been made. And here's a, an answer to your question directly is, if you don't have somebody in the parking lot, you are not prepared. Now, all of these people who come in the sanctuary and kill, they come through the parking lot. They're not like a Santa Claus that, you know, lands on the roof and comes through the chimney. They're pulling up in cars. You know, there were, you know, we don't know all the details yet in Sutherland Springs, but we do know there was no one in the parking lot. And we have a law in Texas, Josh. I don't know if you know it. It's Texas Senate Bill 2065, just passed, went into effect 60 days ago, September of this year, liberating the churches from the occupations code in the state of Texas, allowing them to form their own security teams. Yeah, I was no aware of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, sir? I was aware of that, yes. Oh, okay. But uh, this is a law that I testified for. I, you know, I fought with the senators and the legislatures and said, please pass this. And they did. Cool. A 30 to zero in the Senate, I believe it was. Yeah. And uh, this liberates the churches. So you've got to have somebody in. If you're not in the parking lot, that's your first line of defense. Now, when you, you say when you say somebody in the parking lot, are you talking about, you know, like um, a security officer or just a eyes well, and ears out there? And remember, the, the new law allows you to use whoever. Okay. You want to say to Deacon Joe, hey, Deacon Joe, do you have a permit to carry a gun? Yes, I do, Pastor. Listen, why don't you consider working the parking lot? Why don't you patrol out there? Because they're coming in the parking lot two to one. Here are the statistics. Two to one, it's going to happen in the parking lot. I mentioned to you the massacre, the shooting in Colorado Springs Yeah, back in 07. When he pulled up in his van, he was in a hurry. He parked awkwardly. He took up several spaces. If somebody had been in the parking lot, they will tell you, and this is part of the presentation in our seminar, they will show you, here are one of the mistakes we made. We had nobody in the parking lot. We had all these armed men and women. If they'd have been in the parking lot, one or two of them, they would have said, look at that van. Why is he in a hurry? Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness, that man's carrying an AK. Oh, wow. I think I'll deal with him. Right. They missed everything. And they'll tell you that. And this happens all the time. These guys pull up in the parking lot. Here they come. And we have some good stories. They're not all bad. So you got to have somebody out there patrolling. If you're just wandering through the foyers and the sanctuary in the children's area, you know, we're hardly ever having anything happen there. Oh, well. So you've got to, and I know churches that hire police officers that want them to stay in the foyer or the back row of the sanctuary during the service. Oh, my goodness, you don't want to shoot out in the sanctuary. Get out in the parking lot. That would be tip number one. And 
I think tip number two does come back to the four-year and sitting strategically in the four-year. You've got to stay in the four-year. People will come in. I have so many stories I could tell you about four-year incidents, but they would probably haunt the audience. <laughs> but in the sanctuary, you've got to sit strategically by the doors. You've got to be ready. You don't know who's coming in. You know, so I guess my first three, those three things would be your parking lot, your foyer, and your sanctuary. Oh, that's some good stuff. And there's just so many other things you could do based on other crimes that are happening, but I, I don't know where you want to go with that. No, definitely. And I've got a few follow-up questions with those. So often we hear about the, the large scale, the, the Sutherland Springs type of thing, the Charleston sort of thing, but the numbers that you're giving, there's a lot of incidents that we're obviously not hearing about. So what would be some of the commonalities of those incidences that we're not hearing about where there's one or two victims what were some of the the common traits of those and maybe those would keep they, they would help to wake us up to situations that may be stirring amongst us well i, I assume you're probably going to do some editing here a little so bit i'll just answer that and then you do what you will with it but uh, mm -hmm. you know consider the case of the murder of the lady preacher in anadarko oklahoma august of 09 you know someone came in and mutilated her to death with a knife Stripped her of her clothing, laid her in a crucified position, and set her hair on fire. Mm. I mean, what an atrocious death. I mean, every time I say it, I just, um, I get like this. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Maybe you can edit that out too, but it's all right. I've gone there twice and stared at that church where it used to be. It's no bigger than a couple of living rooms. Mutilated to death in the service of Christ on a good Sunday, she had three people there. And these incidents and these stories go on and on. None that bad. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, you just have to have that mindset, Josh. There was a, a preacher in Indiana preparing his sermon one Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. A homeless woman showed up, asked to see the preacher. Sure, honey, he's in his office. <clears throat> Mistake number one, never tell a visitor where the pastor is. Never tell a visitor or somebody you don't know where the pastor is. She goes in there, pulls out a gun and kills him. The police come out, take her to jail, do a crime scene, turn the scene back over to the elders of the church. They were cleaning his office, Josh, and they saw his sermon notes on the desk. The top of the page, he had written the topic for the next morning's message. The topic of the sermon the next day was, quote, preachers being killed around the world. Hmm. That's what he was going to preach. That's in Indianapolis, Indiana, May 2000. Excuse wow. me, May 29 of 2012. So having that mindset, being prepared. You know, being prepared. I read a 300-year-old quote the other day. I can't remember who said it, but it was back during the days of the colonies where one of the authors of a book encouraged all able-bodied men, please bring guns to church. So it's really nothing new. And I'm not a gun fanatic, Josh. I own one gun. I mean, if you want to bore me, you can uh, talk about the Dallas Cowboys or a gun, and I'll fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan, but it'll put me to sleep. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm not a gun fanatic, but if these guys show up with guns, and they're going to, you're going to have to be ready. But let me let me just say, too, the, the main thing you've got to do, and here's what scares me. Uh, there are churches with men coming to church and women who will tell you, I've got my gun, but they are no more prepared for combat than I am to try out for quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. They, just, they are no more. They don't train. They don't practice. They don't go to the range. And they fail to understand the great truth that men do not rise to the occasion. They sink to the level of their training. When Lot was taken captive in the book of Genesis, if, as you recall, when Abraham heard about it, the Bible says he took 318 trained men and went and rescued Lot. 318 trained men. 
men are not trained for combat, especially the men in church. I mean, they even spiritually, you know that. I mean, right. find 10 men that can quote five Bible verses, and that would be miraculous. They don't train. They don't meditate. They don't memorize scripture. And certainly people who are coming to church thinking I'm armed. If you're not going to the range, if you're not training, and I would say to all church safety teams, one of the things you've got to start doing uh, every couple of months is you've got to train. You've got to practice. What are you going to do if somebody disturbs the services? What are you going to do if a man shows up in the nursery to take a child that he says is his, but he's not the one that dropped him off, and he didn't have the card or the number that was given to the mother or whoever that dropped him off? What is your planned response if somebody stands up and starts screaming and hollering at, you know, or uh, I'm sure you know John MacArthur, Josh, he was preaching the other day when a man just walked up on the stage and started arguing with him in front of thousands of people. Wow. And they didn't get to him. They did not get to him. Now, he did not hurt Pastor MacArthur. But, uh, I mean, how do you get that far? Right. He shouldn't have got that far. Right. So these church safety teams, I would encourage them. Point number two, if we can call it that, is I sure hope you're practicing. And you can go to our website, sheepdogseminars.com, and get you some good training. I mean, we give good training, and we're going to have one here in a couple of weeks. We're going to put some people under the stress. We want you to hear. You know what it sounds like when uh, when there's chaos in the sanctuary or the parking lot. It's a nightmare. And one of the things I hate about all this stuff, Josh, is that they're not going to get over this down in Sutherland Springs. I mean, I know a church where if you were shot one night, it's been almost 20 years. And a few weeks ago, they had to lay off nine people. 18 years, and they've not yet recovered from it. And even, uh, you know, when they first had it happen, they were, you know, they were kind of showing off their faith and stuff. They were, some of the men went on Oprah Winfrey. Some of them took the bullets out of their bodies from the doctor would give it to them and they turned it into cufflinks and they were on Oprah and they were on televangelist and talking about, you know, the Lord is victorious and we will not give up. And it looked so good. But then six months later, they fell apart. PTSD broke out in the congregation. Divorce broke out. One of the injured kids took his own life. So in terms of the pain an emotional trauma of Sutherland Springs and other places, uh, the worst is yet to come. I mean, mm -hmm. they're going to be hurting. I see very few churches that go through these things, get over them. I mean, I've seen churches have tragedies and go from 2000 to zero. And uh, yeah. I hate to admit that. I'm just telling you eight years just, of studying this. This is what I've learned. It's just the reality. I hope I'm not even answering anything you're asking. Forgive me, brother. I, <laughs> I think my ADD is in high gear today. It's just a conversation. Uh, one of the things that I have stumbled upon as uh, we're doing more of this is that difference that you're talking about there, the difference between having a license to carry and being trained to actually engage with an intruder or, you know, quote unquote, yes, a, a bad person. So they're, they're, uh, that's something I also want to echo is to really encourage people to, to not only get the license, but then to get to the training. And it seems as though there's a number of organizations, including your local police, that will help you find that sort of training and get you kind of prepared in the way that you need to be prepared. So it's a big difference. Yeah, there's plenty out there, Josh. Joshua, I mean, if I may, may I add something to that? Sure. One of the most misinformed stories, mistold or whatever the word is from the Bible, it's been being preached incorrectly for 2000 years is the story of David and Goliath. Everybody thinks David won because the Lord was with him. And that's only half true. Um, I had a friend tell me four years ago, he said, you preachers have really messed up that story. So well, what do you mean, Ken? He said, you've been telling everybody, you know, that David was the underdog. He said, you need to study your history. And this was coming from a non-Christian. I studied my history. David was a slinger. 
There were several of them in his day. He was the American sniper, the Chris Kyle of his day. They were good from a hundred yards out. And David went, there's a teenage boy, he went to Saul and said, give me 30 minutes and I'll be back here with his head on a platter. I've rescued lions and bears. David was a trained, skilled warrior, a bona fide slinger. Hmm. And several of them in his day. So what really happened that day? And I heard a preacher say on TV the other day, David won without even any training. And I like to fell out of my seat. I said, wow, another preacher who preaches without studying. And, uh, I'll tell you off there who it is, and you'll agree with me. <laughs> but David was trained. Goliath never had a chance. Goliath was dead before he ever got out of bed that morning because David was trained. And that's just something the Lord showed me on a Thursday night, February of 2014, that David had a heart that was trusting because he had a habit of training. And he even said in Psalm 144:1, Blessed be the Lord who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He could bend a bow of bronze. This kid knew what he was doing. He was a warrior. And you are foolish. And I say this in tears, too, to those men out there and women. We, I got my gun at church. You could be a bigger threat. And Josh, did I tell you, last week in Tennessee, they're sitting around in a Bible study, and they're talking about the Texas shooting at the church. And somebody says, I wonder if anybody in our church is carrying. And Josh, a man pulled out a gun and said, yeah, I am. Took the magazine out of the gun, you know, the bullets out. Right. Passed his gun around, let people look at it. I mean, these people walk among us. Passed his gun around, let everybody look at it. He took it back, put the magazine back in the rack or whatever, in, in the gun, and accidentally pulled the trigger and shot a woman in the stomach and a man in the hand. Now, that just goes to show you there are people. Just because you give a 16-year-old kid a driver's license, it doesn't mean he's ready to drive. I mean, heck, none of them are. <laughs> I was a cop for five years, I assure you. No teenagers should drive. I know people in their 20s that shouldn't be driving. That's true. This is the mentality people have. This gun is not a toy. And it doesn't work on its own. It needs your skill and talent and training before you can do the right thing. Because if you think you're just going to rise up and take on a killer who's coming at you, and you've been to the range, you know, four or five years ago, uh, you're a threat to everybody. Right. So you've had some real helpful tips there about, you know, waking up to the actual danger, having somebody in the parking lot, sitting near the doors or, 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 you know, near the entrances, those sort of things. And then also to make sure it's not just a license, it's also some training. We only have about four minutes left in the show. So let's take up about three minutes on this. Are there, and you've kind of answered this in a roundabout way. Let's see if there's anything you could add to it. Are there one, maybe two or three things that um, churches are doing that are, obviously problems that they need to just quit doing. These are the biggest mistakes that churches are making when it comes to the safety. Well, if I could address that, if it's okay with you in terms of the sex crimes, mm -hmm. sure. Uh, the sex crimes are about a thousand times a year worse than all the shootings. As, as far as fact, the number of victims. Times, I'm sorry, what, Josh? You're saying as far as the number of victims, right? Yes, sir. We'll have about three to 6,000 victims of sex crimes, sex crimes that occurred at church-related functions or at church. Every year. As a matter of fact, in six months' time, we will have more victims of sex crimes than we've had people shot at churches and schools combined in 300 years. The bigger threat is the sex crimes. Uh, the jails are being filled up in America by youth directors. Hmm. Youth directors are going to jail left and right, followed by pastors and worship directors, worship leaders. 50% um, of these sex crimes are committed by a volunteer, 30% of them by somebody on the staff. And in direct answer to your question, 
What we're not doing is we are not, in the words of Proverbs 27, 12, the prudent foresee danger and take precautions. We're not taking precautions. Uh, we're just uh, we're letting youth directors invite all the kids to their house or one or two with no other adult supervision. We're letting youth directors and other staff members go pick up the kids at school by themselves. I mean, I've got hundreds of stories. I'm over 6,000 email alerts behind. I don't post them anymore because I ran out of, you know, energy to do so. Sure. But uh, we are just breaking all the rules, the things that we are not doing. I mean, in Ardmore, Oklahoma, a couple of years ago, they, they excuse me, in Ada, uh, Ada, Oklahoma, they dimmed the lights to let the kids watch a movie. And within five minutes, they saw a 19-year-old kid um, sexually assaulting a nine-year-old girl. Turned on the lights, took him to jail. Long story short, he confessed to molesting nine more kids, including two that belonged to the pastor and his wife. This is happening all the time. We are constantly not doing something that if we did it, that crime wouldn't have happened. We tell churches, don't ever. For instance, Josh, we tell them, don't ever let teenage boys work in the nursery. Why in the world would you do that? We have too many stats of crimes that have occurred. Don't let these boys. We got a church in Tennessee facing a $37 million lawsuit, 13-year-old boy, 13 years old, working with the, the kids. And he sexually, I believe he actually raped a three-year-old girl. Hmm. I believe the lawsuit was settled for in the 20 millions, you know, but. Of course, the insurance can't cover all that, so the church will have to pay the family, you know, for the rest of their lives. Right. So you just have to foresee, once again, the words of Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: foresee danger, take precautions. you got to sit down with the church staff and say, listen, we need to do this before we do anything. Let's foresee all possible danger. And by the way, I would encourage people to join ministrysafe.com. They're the best in the world. Ministrysafe.com is the best in the world. Greg Love. For training churches, you can get it all online. Make all your workers go through that, and make sure everybody on the staff. Josh has got a uh, background check. I know churches that won't do that, but keep in mind you don't want to just count on that because a sex offender does not have a background until he strikes 151 times before he gets caught. So oh, make sure you yeah, do the background checks. And, and and our seminars are eight hours, and your show is 25 minutes, so it's hard for me to answer <laughs> it all. But I. Bless God and praise him for having somebody like you out there that, no, especially you, a pastor, if I'm you not did, mistaken, you are. I am a pastor. Addressing this issue because it's just killing us. Yeah, you did a great job. And that's a lot of great information there. And as you said, Ministry Safe is another fantastic resource, especially when we're dealing with the safety of um, our church and our people in the realm of sexual abuse. And so uh, we've got to close out the show. But how can people connect with you if they want to know more about what you do? What's the email and the website again? Yes, sir. And Josh, Josh. Sure. Uh, my friend Carl Chin was down at Sutherland Springs where those people were killed. And he got a text from a pastor that said this, quote, my 10 year old doesn't want to go to church this Sunday. What do I tell him? End of quote. I'll let everybody think about that. You can reach me on my website, sheepdogseminars.com. The phone number's on there. The email is on there. You may call me anytime. I have people call 24 seven sheepdogseminars.com or jimmy at sheepdogseminar.com you can call you can text just got in from nebraska last night and i've been doing it all over again today getting ready got a big seminar december the 2nd in fort worth texas and it's only 20 bucks a person so but it's going to be intense training but we'd love to we'd love to have you there and i plead with you through tears pastors 
I beg you to start loving your flock to the point that you will protect them. In the words of the Apostle Paul, love always protects. It's a good word. Thanks again, Jimmy, for being on the show today. And if anybody needs more information, you can reach Jimmy at his website or his email address there. Whether it's Jimmy or another organization, I just encourage you to look out um, for the yes. for the protection of your congregation and do what you can to protect them. Thanks again for listening to EST, and I'll join you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.